us understanding that we, we've got to honor and recognize, and, and he's, he's called the Holy Spirit. He's not just the Spirit floating around. He's the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And he wasn't, he wasn't just the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, and then he became the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. No, he's the same, just like God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Holy Spirit was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Only in the New Testament, through Jesus Christ, was he able to come into our lives and live within us to empower us and enable us to live for God. Amen. You want to live for God? Then you need the Holy Spirit. Is He in you? Yes, He is. Does He need to be activated by you? Yes, He does. Amen. Praise the Lord. He needs to be activated. Just like you, I've been saying this to you. If you get a computer program, a software program, you, it can be on your hard drive. It can be in your computer. But until you activate it, it's there, but it's not doing what it could do for you, right? Why is a software program on your on your computer to begin with? Because you wanted it there, because it's going to serve you a purpose, right? And so God puts within us the Holy Spirit because it's going to serve God's purpose of changing and transforming our lives. So the Holy Spirit is within us. We just got to say, Holy Spirit, I give you release in me to, to enable me, empower me to live for God and to be the person that God wants me to be. And so the Holy Spirit is your key along with the Word of God. It's not just Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the grace and love and mercy of God at work in us together. Amen? Praise the Lord. When we looked at, we were looking at Israel, and we're going to look this morning at 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And God loves his people. God goes out of his way to, to, to bless and to, to bring his people into a relationship with him. God wants to bring each and every one of us into a deeper relationship with him. That's God. God never ceases. He never stops building, trying to build our relationship. You know, when I fell in love with my wife, I started a relation, we started a relationship and I was not going to let go of that. I, I pursued that and, and, and tried, brought her flowers and, and all kinds. I was trying to build on that, build on that first connection that we made, you know? And so I tried to build because I had a purpose and a goal. I wanted her to be my bride. And so praise the Lord. And see, so Jesus, and, and so, so I wasn't, I wasn't going to forget about her. I wasn't going to put her on the side, you know. No, she was my focus. And, and, and so that's what Jesus, see, but that's what Jesus is to you. Jesus, you Jesus wants you to fall in love with him and to be, his, be your focus because he's the lover of your soul. No one could love you like Jesus can. And so Jesus looks at you and calls you to come. I want you to know my love for you. And Jesus pursues you and he's, he's trying to get you to see his word. And through the working of his Holy Spirit in your life, he tries to open your eyes, your spiritual eyes, to see the great love that he has for you that is real. The love of God is real. Jesus is real. His, his, his manifestation in your life is real if we just open our eyes to see it and to know it. 
And so God wants to build a personal relationship with us through Jesus Christ, and he wants to build it, to grow it. Relationships can grow, right? Amen. And so God is always continually bringing us closer to himself, deeper in his love, getting us to know him more and more and more. So in, when Israel uh, was, 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 was going, wanted to, they were, they were just wanting to do their own thing. And they were, they were losing their trust and focus on God. And they said, we want a king like every other nation to lead us and guide us. When God says, I want to be the one who leads you and guide you. You know, and God wants to be the leader and guider of your life. He wants to be your shepherd. That's why the Bible says in, in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd leads and guides. And when Jesus came, it says, He is the shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the shepherd. And my sheep know my voice, hear my voice. Who's the sheep? Your neighbor next door? Well, yes, but you are. We are the sheep, right? And we saw one big sheep on the thing there. But anyway, uh, this is only she understands that. Anyway, we are sheep. And God wants us to follow him. He wants to lead us. Jesus, the Lord of, listen, the Lord of heaven and earth wants to lead you and guide you. Why? Because he loves you. Not because he wants to show himself your master and boss, although he is, but he wants to do it in love. He wants to lead you and guide you. He says, I'm your shepherd. And so Israel says, well, we, we, we don't want you to lead us and guide us. We want a king a man to lead us and guide us. And God says, okay, if that's the cry of your heart, give them a man. And so he called Samuel. And he says, Samuel, they, they're crying for a man to lead them. Well, we're going to give them a man to lead them. But God always cares about his people. Even even when they're trying to be ornery and, and just stupid. Okay? I uh, can't put it any clearer, clearer than that. They were stupid to want a man to lead them rather than the God of glory who created them to lead them. So God said, well, Samuel, go. They want a man. We're going to, I want this man here, Saul. We're going to take him and anoint him, and he's going to lead them. And so he anointed Saul. And Saul, when Saul, when God picked Saul, Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. And Benjamin, at that time, Saul, when Samuel said, Saul, God has chosen you to be leader of Israel. How about if somebody came up to you today and says, ah, God says you're going to be the president of the United States in a couple of years. What would you say? Come on, be real. What would you say? I don't really think so. Hello? Where'd you come from? You know, <laughs> you don't know me, right? I mean, that's what, and that's what, that's what Saul said to Samuel. He said, Samuel, what are you talking about? Me? God wants me to be king of Israel? He says, I'm of the tribe. He said, don't you know I'm of the, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin? And Benjamin, and I'm the least in the tribe of Benjamin. And so he's, he's telling like Samuel, like, God got his information, his wires crossed, because I'm in the least of the tribe of, of Benjamin, who is the least of the least of the least of the, and so he said, it can't be right. You, you've, you've got to have the, you got the wrong email, or you got the wrong text message or something. But God is saying, but Samuel said, no, you're the one that God chose. And so you see, it doesn't matter who we are, in life, God has chosen us and called us through Christ to, to rule and to reign with Him in Christ. So you, to, to, to think that God looked at you and says, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. You're a child of a king. 
And we could say, but God, um, but, but, um, but, um, no, you're my son and daughter. And so when he went, when Samuel went to Saul, Saul was making all excuses rather than saying, whoa, thank you, Lord. You know, he was making excuses and Samuel said, nope, you're the one that God has chosen. And so Saul, who was the least, he was nobody. Literally in that, in that framework of society, he was nobody and he, he didn't even have a thought of becoming a king in Israel. But God had other thoughts for him. God is the glory and the lifter of your head. God can raise you up. God says, you humble yourself in the sight of God and he will raise you up. And so God anoint, through Samuel anointed Saul and Saul became king of Israel. And Saul, through his journeys, God worked wonderfully through Saul, defeated many enemies. But there came a time when Saul started to get, uh, his heart started to go away from the Lord. His heart started to drift. And so he started to, the, you know, people started to pat him on the back saying, Saul, you're a great leader and, and oh, and, and this and that. And all that attention, all that pampering, all that flattering got to Saul. And Saul began, his heart started to go away from the Lord and he started to want to please the people that were flattering him and praising him. And he wanted to please them more than he wanted to please the Lord. And so Saul's heart started to fall away from his first love. That's why the Bible says to the church, he says, he says, you, you've forgotten your first love. And so may we as Christians never forget our first love, who is Jesus, who called us to Calvary's cross, who washed our sins away, who called us to a life with him, a life in him, a life of righteousness, a life of holiness, a life of trusting God for our daily, our daily walk with him. God wants to lead you and guide you and wants you to walk with him. And God says, don't forget me. I love you. I purchased you. I redeemed you. But Saul forgot. So in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1, Samuel said to Saul, God sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now listen again to what God says. God wants us to listen to his words. To what says the, what saith the Lord? When Jesus came on the scene, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, repent and believe the gospel. He's saying, turn from the way that you're going and turn towards me. Jesus, repent. Remember we said repentance is a good thing? Repentance is a doorway to blessing. It's, it's not something you should look, oh, I don't want to repent. No, repentance means turning to God and choosing to follow Him, to walk with Him. So repentance is a doorway to blessing in your life. We should want to run to God and say, Lord, forgive me. I choose to walk with you and follow you. That's repentance. And that's a doorway. God opens a door for you when you repent. And He, it's a doorway of blessing because it brings you into Him. And God takes your hand and says, come, walk with me. And so the Word of God, when, when the Word of God comes to us, it comes with power. When you take the hand of Jesus and you're walking with him, you're taking the hand of the king of glory and all power in heaven and earth has been given to him whose hand you're holding. 
When you take hold of Jesus' hand, there's no greater hand in this world or out of this world that you can take hold of. Because Jesus says, in me, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. If you're going to grab anybody's hand, I mean, you like to grab your boyfriend's hand or your husband's hand, right? That's nice. But when you take hold of the hand of Jesus, there is no greater hand to take hold of in this life or out of this life than to walk with Jesus. And so when the word of God, when he says, listen to the word of God, the word listen means listen with with a, a desire to do something about it, to really reach out and take hold of it. And when you take hold of the word of God, you're, take hold, you're taking hold of the hand of God. And he says, listen what God says. This is the God, verse 2, this is the God of the angel armies or the Lord of hosts. This means that he's the Lord of angel armies. There's armies of heaven that are vast and mighty and powerful that you can't see with the naked eye, but they're there. The Bible declares there's a host of angel armies out there that are glorious in victory. And he's, Jesus, is the the captain of that host. He is the Lord of that host. Behind Jesus, when you take Jesus' hand, when you take hold of the Word of God and you're walking with Jesus, you have a host of angel armies surrounding you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You talk about an, an entourage. When you take the hand of Jesus, I'm telling you, there's a host of angel armies that come alongside and around you. And this is what Jesus is saying. Take my hand. Take my word. Believe it. Take hold of it. There's a host of angels. I'm the captain of the host of the... And if you're holding Jesus' hand and someone comes against you, look out. Woo! Take care of that guy. God watches over your life, over your spiritual life, and over your physical life too. And he says, this is the God of angel armies. This is the Lord of hosts speaking. And he says, in the the, uh, message Bible, it says, I'm about to get even with Amalek for ambushing Israel when Israel came up out of Egypt. God, now listen, God is a God of love. He is. But God says he hates his enemies, those who willingly fight against him. And that word is used in the Bible. Yes, it is. God hates, God says, you know, and he says Amalek, in the word of God, God says Amalek was going to be wiped out off the face of the earth. Because Amalek had it in their heart to come against God and to come against his people. They had no intention of repentance. They had no intention of doing good, nice, nice with God's people. They wanted to destroy God's people. Just like we have an adversary, the devil, who hates you. He does not love you. He does not love God. And he doesn't care whether you're young or old. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God does not love the devil. No, he doesn't. If the devil ever repented, God's mercy and grace would be there. But it will never happen. His heart is hardened against the Lord. Amalek, their heart was hardened against God. God's will, God's desire is that none perish, that every man come to repentance and know his love. But Amalek was a people who God knew their heart. We don't know the hearts of people. God does. God looks at the heart. And God says, these people, these Amaleks, hate 
me and they hate you and they're out for your destruction. And when when Israel came out of Egypt and was going to the promised land, they ambushed, like it says there, they ambushed Israel to try to kill them in the wilderness. They did not want them to get to the promised land. People in this life, and the devil doesn't want you to reach the shores of heaven. And so in your journey, in your walk with the Lord in this life, there's people that will come against you with their words and with their actions and with smiles saying, do you really believe the Lord? Are you really walking with Jesus? Do you really believe the Bible? Hath God said? And those are, those are ways to try to cut you off with your walk with Jesus to the shores of glory where God has a kingdom prepared for you, a place prepared for you. And the Amaleks try to cut Israel short of reaching the promised land. And that's when they met them in the wilderness. And Moses sent Joshua and Aaron and Hur were holding up Moses' hands in the wilderness while they were fighting and they, and they, and they won. And they wound up getting into the promised land. But, but God, in His Word, says Amalek one day will be removed from the face of the earth. They will be heard of no more. They will be no more. And so God did not uh, he wanted Saul to destroy. Part of, of what God's word to Saul was, Saul, I want you to take your armies and go and destroy Amalek and let nothing, let nothing remain. Destroy their goods, their cattle, everything. And take nothing for, for yourself. Now you say, oh, is that cruel? No, it's not cruel. It's God destroying your enemies. God destroying your enemies. If you let your enemy live, he will turn and kill you. And I remember one time when I was in the military and I was in, I was in training, in advanced infantry training, and we were, we were, we were doing those, uh, I even forgot what you call them now, those with the big things on the end, uh, um, uh, there, it's a, it's a stick with the big. And we had a fight. We had to fight each other as though they were, as, as though they were weapons. And I had, I had hit, I had knocked the guy down and I was, I was like this. And I, I just, I held back from, you know, going like that to make it, that, that shows that you kill. And I remember the sergeant coming up to me and says, kill him, kill him. What are you, what are you waiting for? I, it wasn't actually killing him, but it was, and he says, you got to learn one thing in battle. He said, if you don't kill your enemy, your enemy will rise up and kill you without hesitation. He will not think twice of taking your life. And so he said, when your enemy is down and you got a chance to kill him, you kill him. Otherwise, he will turn and kill you or he will turn and kill your buddy next to you. And so that was a valuable lesson in the military. That when you're fighting with your enemy who's vowed to kill you, it's either you or him. There's, there's no middle ground there. You, either you kill your enemy or your enemy will kill you. Now, I wish it wasn't that way, but that's the way it is. Hello, that's reality. You know, you can't go with the, to your enemy and tell him, oh, will you please be nice and put your weapon down? Let's have a cup of tea. That's not reality. Hello, that's dream world. That's dream living. You will die. Understand? So God was telling them, these people are vowed enemies of me and of you, and they will kill you if you let them live. And so God... Because if they repented, of course, but they, God knew that they would never. So God told Saul, slay them, every one, and all their cattle and all their idols, take, get rid of them, and, you know, and take nothing with you. But, see, God wants us to, to take heed to all of His word. And in verse Sam, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 9, it says, Saul and the army 
made an exception for Agag and the, for the choice sheep and cattle. They didn't include them under the terms of the holy ban, but all the rest, which nobody wanted anyway, they destroyed and decreed by the holy ban. See, God told them to, to, to go out, get the victory, and get rid of all of the enemy's stuff. Take nothing. And when they did, Saul did. God gave Saul the power and the authority to take the victory over them. But when they had the victory, they saw, the, oh, this, these cattle look nice, fat. Man, I could see them on the grill. I could see barbecue and eat babies. You know? And they took them and they kept those things, the choice ones, the things that looked good to their eyes, and their mouths were watering and their stomach was growling. And they said, let's keep some of this cattle. And although God says, get rid of everything, don't let nothing live. And they, they, they did Saul who was in charge. The word came to Saul, but Saul heard the people say, Hey, Saul, look at this cattle, man. Why can't we keep some of this stuff? And so they kept some of the cattle and some of the things, and they didn't, they didn't do what the Lord had called them to do. And they kept. See, Amalek was an idol worshiping people. They did not love God, and they did not love God's people. And when you take possessions, when you take things that belong to, to, to people who are in witchcraft, things who are devil worshippers, things, and when you take their possessions, their spirits attached to those things. And you don't realize it. And Saul, who, who, who took those things, once they took those things into their possession and began eating them and doing things, they began, Saul began, his heart began to go further and further from the Lord, and he began to be more and more a man pleaser than a God pleaser. And so he says, he said, Amalek feared, didn't fear God. And so uh, it says, then God, in verse Samuel fifteen ten, then God spoke to Samuel, and he said, I'm sorry I ever made Saul keen. He's turned his back on me. He refuses to do what I tell him. God didn't turn his back on Saul. God gave Saul the ability and the power to to have victory. And he says, Saul turned his back on me. And he refuses to do what I tell him. Saul's heart. See, God looks at your heart. And God wants you to follow him, to walk with him, to take his hand. And to do all that he tells you to do. Why? Because it's for your blessing, for your good, for your increase, for your prosperity, for your protection, for your provision. And so he says, Saul, who was nobody, when I made him king of Israel, he was the least of the Benjamites. Now he's gotten to that place where he's turned his back on me and he's thinking that he's gained victory through his power and through his wisdom and through the people, through the armies. But it wasn't through them that victory was. It was because of God. But the choices, see the choices we make in life. I pray that we choose every day to take hold of God's hand, of his word, and walk with him. Not turning our back to him, but turning our back to the things that would try to take us away from our walk with God. And turning to God and walking with him. So God said he turned his back on me. He refuses, he refuses, he refuses to do what I tell him to do. God's word is counsel to us. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. 
Seek wisdom and instruction and understanding where? From God's Word. If we refuse to to look to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to lead us and guide us in all our daily living and life, then we're only losing out. God isn't losing out. He he's he's grieved. He's it hurts his heart. Do you think God was God's heart was not hurt because Saul turned his back on him and refused him? Of course. God's will is that none perish. But the choices we make. And so that's why if we choose to take the hand of the God of the host of angel armies, praise the Lord. We're on paths of victory. And that's why God says, you're more than conquerors. When you take Jesus' hand and the, the hand of him who is the captain of the host of angel armies, he says, you're more than conquerors in Christ who loves you. Why do you think he says that? you got to take that and realize it. It's a reality. It's not just a nice saying to make you feel good. It's a reality in the spiritual realm. You're more than a conqueror. Why? Because Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and he has a host of angel armies at his beck and call. And it says this, his angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who are redeemed, who are his people, who are his children. So God is, wants to walk with you, and he doesn't want us to turn our back on him. And this is an example of what happens when, when he does. And Samuel was angry when he heard this, and he prayed in his anger and disappointment. He was disappointed in Saul. He was His hopes, he's the man of God, the pastor, his heart is break, breaks when, when someone backslides, when someone decides that they want to walk away from the Lord or take partake in things that they shouldn't. The man of God, his heart breaks. And God God's heart aches, but God is holy and righteous and true. And and Samuel, you know, he he was crying out for Saul. And in verse 13 it says as Samuel came close, Saul cried out. In in chapter 15, uh Verse number 13. And so Saul cried out. And he, and he says, uh, God's blessing on you, Saul's crying. I accomplished God's plan to the letter. Saul was so far, his heart was so far away from the Lord that he lied to Samuel, who is the man of God. Brother Dave, he had to leave. They had to go somewhere. But he said, as it was in Acts, that when they lied to the Holy Spirit, Ananias and Sapphira, they were slain. Saul is literally lying to the Holy Spirit of God. Samuel is a man of God. The Spirit of God is on, was on Samuel. Samuel was hearing the word of God. And here he is, the man of God. And Saul has the audacity, the nerve, the gall to stand face to face to the man of God and lie to him. Now you can lie to a man or woman of God and think nothing of it. And think I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying an individual can stand and lie to the man of God and think, see, nothing happened. Nobody knows. God knows. The Spirit of God knows. You cannot lie to the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot lie to the man of God. And this shows how far Saul had slid, turned his back on the Lord. And that's why the Lord says, walk with me on a daily basis. 
Don't give any place to the enemy. Don't let anyone turn you against me. Don't let anyone turn your heart away from me. Keep your heart on fire for me. Keep looking to my word. The world, <clears throat> the world and the people around you will pressure you to, 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 to soften your walk with the Lord. Ah, don't be so fanatical. You gotta go to church every Sunday. Don't be, you gotta read your word every day. Don't, you gotta pray. And so the world around you will pressure you to, to soften your heart and eventually get it to turn away little by little from the Lord. It doesn't turn all of a, all of a sudden. It's a gradual turning and the Lord and the, the, the Lord of this world, the little L, Satan, and the people will try to turn your hearts. But Saul's heart was so turned from God that he lied to Samuel and says, I accomplished God's plan to the letter. That was not true. Samuel knew it was not true. Saul knew it was not true. But Saul was lying to him, trying to con the man of God. And that started something in Saul's life that Saul would never reverse. Had Saul repented and said, Samuel, I was wrong. We did not fulfill God's word. I am sorry. I repent. Repentance is a doorway to what? Blessing. Repentance is a doorway to blessing. Had Saul repented... God would have forgiven him if his heart was right. If there was truly godly sorrow in Saul's heart and he was truly truly admitted it and asked God to forgive him, God would have forgiven him. There would have been consequences, but God would have forgiven him. But here he tried to lie. He tried to lie to the man of God. He lied to the Holy Spirit. He was literally lying to God himself. Lord, I followed your word. Hello? Anybody home? You can't lie to God. Samuel said, so what's this I'm hearing? While he's talking to Samuel and saying, we, we killed all their cattle and sheep, Samuel said, what's this I hear in the background? You know, you can't tell a sheep or goat to be, or, or cattle to be quiet. They make noise when they want to make noise. And so as he's saying, Samuel, we, we, we got rid of all the sheep and cattle. And, and Samuel says, and this is funny to me, Samuel says, so... So what's this I'm hearing, this bleeding of the sheep and this mooing of the cattle? You, you ever hear sheep bleat and, cow, and cows moo? You know, you can't, it's a, moo, beep, no, beep, whatever they, how they ever, I'm not going to forget about it. I'm not going to do it. But here Saul is lying to the face of a man of God saying, we didn't take anything. We got rid of everything. And so Samuel says, well, what's all this bleeding of the sheep and this mooing of the cows that I hear? Hello? So, you know, Samuel saying, what are you trying to do? Con me here? Um, what do you think? I'm stupid? What do, what do you think? I don't, I don't know what's going on. You think Samuel was dumb, stupid, that he was going to let Saul con him, lie to him, lie to the Holy Spirit? So then he makes an excuse. Again, instead of repenting and saying, all right, I'm guilty, forgive me. He tries to make an excuse. He tries to continue to con the man of God. And he says, only some... Amalite loot, said Saul. And now he points the finger at the others. Just like Eve says, well, the serpent made me do it. Well, Eve made me do it. That's been the thing all along. When somebody gets nailed or caught doing something, it's always, well, they made me do it. It was their fault. This, and the finger always gets pointed. Rather than the finger saying, Lord, I did it, forgive me. End the story. When you start pointing fingers, you're getting deeper and deeper. The hole gets deeper and deeper. 
and you're sinking more in that filthy stuff. And so he says, Saul says, the soldier saved back a few of the choice cattle and sheep, to, but they were going to offer it up in sacrifice to God. So he's trying to, he's trying to con and make excuses. God said, get rid of everything. And first he tells, tells him, we, we didn't take anything. Well, what's this mooing and bleeding? Well, oh, oh, that. Oh, 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 that. Oh, just the soldiers wanted that. But they were going to use it in sacrifice to God. They, were, they weren't going to eat it for themselves. They were, they were going to sacrifice it to God. So he's lying again. He's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Why? Because his heart, his love for God was gone. He had lost it. He did not respect the man. When you, when you lose your love for God, you lose your love for the man of God and for the people of God. And so, as he was lying to the man of God, it wasn't because he didn't like Samuel. He lost his love with God. He lost his love with the man of God. And he lost his love, really, literally, with the people of God. And it says, but everything else we destroyed. We did everything else, but we didn't do this. the rest of what God set us to do. And so, he made excuses there. And so, <clears throat> verse number 17 Chapter 15, verse number 17. So Samuel says to him, Saul, when you started out in this, you were nothing. You were of that tribe of Benjamin who was the least of the least. But God's love and mercy, his amazing grace, took you, Saul, and made you to be a king. Put you in a position of power for his glory and for his namesake. And he says, and you knew it. Saul, you knew you were the least of... Of, of the least. And you knew that God's love and mercy came to you. His grace came to you and he lifted you up and set you on a throne so that God could receive the glory. He says, Saul, you knew this. this. This is not new to you. You understand that you were nobody, but God made you somebody. Then God put you at the head of Israel, made you king over Israel. God has made us his sons and his daughters. And so we got to understand, God took us from being really nobody. And he made us, he redeemed us to be his sons and his daughters. Look at that person next to you. They're, a, they're, they're your brother and sister. We're sons and daughters of the king. Who were we before Christ redeemed us? We were lost. We were, we were just filthy rags, ashes. But God in his redemption, when we were nobody, when we were lost in our sin, dead to sin. The Bible says we were dead to sin. We were no longer even in existence in, 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 in the spiritual realm. But God redeemed us. He put life back into us. He gave us a new heart and a new spirit. And so now he's raised us up to sit with him as a king, as kings in his, in, alongside of him. And to take his hand. And so, and then God sent in verse number 18. Then God sent you off uh, to do a job for him. Ordering you to go. Go and put those sinners, the Amalekites, under a holy ban. Go to war against them until you have totally wiped them out. And so God wants us to, 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 to take hold of his word and to not pick and choose what we want to live by and what we want to do and what we don't want to do. Oh, uh, this portion, I don't like this. I'll just turn the page. God won't see. And okay, oh yeah, this is nice. And so God doesn't want us to pick and choose from his word what we, what we choose to follow and live. God is saying to us as believers, take my full counsel, take all of my word, and my Holy Spirit that is in you will help you. 
You see, as long as your heart, it's the key is your heart. As long as your heart is willing and wanting to walk with the Lord, God doesn't expect you to be perfect because you're not. He knows that. He understands that. That's not the issue. The issue is your heart. Is your heart want to? As Saul, it says, he refuses. Saul refuses to do my word, to take heed to my word. And so we pray that our hearts are willing in God's day, in the day of his power, that we are willing to walk with the Lord, willing to do what the word of God tells us to do. And it's a process. But we're, as long as we're willing and God looks at our heart and says, you've got a willing heart to walk with me, to, to allow me to work in your life, to help you, to transform you. That's all that God requires, that you have a willing heart that loves him and wants to walk with him. Not that you be perfect. God doesn't want you to be perfect. But God doesn't want you to make excuses for the things that you do that you know are wrong. If you do something wrong, confess it to God, admit it to God, don't blame your your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister or your neighbor or your cousin or your boss or your co-worker or your... Don't blame anybody. This way, Lord, I repent. That's a doorway to blessing. Say, repentance is a doorway to blessing. So don't look for excuses like Saul did. Say, Lord, I did it. I'm guilty. Forgive me. God will work with that. God will take you and cleanse you and, and give you the strength and help you to do it. To not, to, you know, as you, as you face those things again, He gives you the strength to do it. But if we try to make excuses, if we try to point the finger elsewhere, God says, that's not working. That you, I know better. Hello? God is smarter than us. God knows, God knows he's Alpha and Omega, first and last, beginning and end. He's everywhere. He sees and knows everything. So, hello? Be honest with God. That's all that it's saying here. Saul wasn't honest with God. Why? Because his heart, the key, his heart turned from the Lord. Why did God give us a new heart when we became born again? Because that new heart is going to want to love the Lord and walk with him. Love him. Love our brothers and sisters. Amen? And so, and so he, 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 he went that whole route. But it says in verse 19, if you go in verse 19, it says, uh, so why, so why did you not, the battery's out. No, it went, hold on. So Samuel says to Saul, so why did you not obey God? What are the reasons that we don't want to do what the Word of God asks us to do? And I'm not saying that in a condemnatory sense, but we've got to ask ourselves, why, why, why wouldn't we want to do and live the way God's Word calls us to live? It's for our good, for our blessing. It gives God the glory. It helps us. It helps our brothers and sisters. So Samuel was saying, Saul, why don't you, why did you not obey God's Word? Don't you know God's Word was good for you? It was, it put you on the throne. It gave you a position of power. And you see, when we're walking with Jesus, walking in His Word, we have power to overcome all the situations and circumstances of our life when you're walking with Jesus. 
If you're not walking with Jesus, you're losing out on the power and the victory that you can have and can know. So take Jesus' hand, take the word of God and say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to know victory in, in, in my life. And so he says, why did you grab all this loot? Why, with guys on you all the time, did you brazenly carry out this evil? God sees what we do in the dark when nobody else is looking. Oh, there's some loot. Let me, uh, nobody saw that. So he said, why did you grab all this loot? Don't you know that the eyes of the Lord are upon you always? Where can we go? Can we go to the highest mountain? Can we go to the the depths of the sea? God is everywhere. He sees what we do. Does God expect perfection from us? No, we're on the road. We're trying to become the best we can be. We all fail. We all have faults. We all stumble, don't we? Yes, we do, because we're human. Hello, we're human. But until we get into heaven with Jesus, then... Then there'll be no more sin, no more temptation. But until then, we're all going to experience things. But again, if our heart is right, if we do something we shouldn't do, Lord, forgive me, I did it, I repent, there it goes. But Paul, but Saul was grabbing loot, he was doing these things brazenly. That's the key, brazenly. He lost fear of God, he lost respect for God, he lost out on on God. And so when you turn your back on God, you become bold in corruption, bold in evil, bold in in doing the things that the devil wants to do to steal, kill and destroy. And so Samuel was saying, "So why? Why did you why did you come to this place? How is it, Saul, you came to this place and state of your life?" And that is why, as pastors, we try to build you up, encourage one another. That's why we're the body of Christ. We've got to encourage one another. Walk daily with the Lord. Don't stay in His Word. Stay in in, in the things. We're here to pray with you, to help you in your times of trouble. God will provide. Trust Him. Why did you do that? And then in verse number 20, it says, we're going to end just shortly here. In verse number 20, it says, Saul defended himself. Saul interrupted. You see, Saul, Saul's heart went so far away from God and from the man of God. As Samuel was speaking to him, telling him what, what Saul interrupts him, again, no respect for God, no respect for the man of God. Saul defended himself and says, what are you talking about? You ever have somebody say that when you're, when you're trying to explain something, you're saying something to them and, and they turn to you and say, what are you talking about? Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's the attitude he had to Samuel. Like, what are you talking about, Samuel? You don't know what you're saying, didn't he? Samuel was full of the Spirit of God. And so Saul, again, has that boldness to interrupt the man of God, to be rude and say, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about, Samuel. That's what is what he said. That's the sense of it. I did obey God. I did the job God set for me. No, he didn't. I brought in King Agag and destroyed the Amalites under the terms. He's lying again to the man of God who was trying to say, Saul, why did you do this? How could you have got yourself to... He interrupts and says, what are you talking about? Again, be upfront with the Lord. God is quick to forgive. If we persist in trying to calm the man of God 
that shows that we have no love for God. And so when we are open and honest with with God, the man of God, and the people of God, there's doors of blessing that are open to us. But here, he just, he just refused. He had no respect anymore. And he was lying literally to the Spirit of God. And he says in verse number 23, we're going to just end. In, uh, he said, not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. Getting self-important around God is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors. Because you said no to God's command, he says no to your kingship. We're going to end with this verse. I'll pick it up again next week. But God is saying, if we disobey his word, if we count his word as nothing, it's worse than being in the occult. Because someone who is in the occult can repent and come back and get the word of God and get saved. But once you know the word of God and you turn your back on God and you trash his word, the Bible says it's harder to get that person back than it is for someone who doesn't know the word of God at all, is involved in sin, and they repent, and they come, and they love the Lord their God. And he was saying, you know, it's better. It's, 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 if you, and, and Saul was trying, you know... <laughs> But the key is your heart. Because you said no to God's commands, he says no to your kingship. Saul not only lost his kingship, he lost the power and the authority to go with it. He lost, above all, his relationship with the God of glory that loved him. And Samuel was trying to say, Saul, how could this be? How could you have come to this Giving up on your relationship with the Lord. For what, Saul? Some bleeding sheep and mooing cattle? For what, Saul? And Saul interrupted him and says, what are you talking about? But he was lying to God and God removed him. Because his heart, he wasn't lying to Samuel. He was talking to the Lord. As he was talking to the man of God, he might have been talking, might as well have been talking to the Lord himself, because the Spirit of God was on him. And so, what's the challenge for us today? Take the hand of the Jesus. Walk with him. Don't give up on him. Don't sell him out for some bleeding sheep or mooing cattle. Take his hand and walk with him. He's looking to lead you in paths of righteousness. He's looking to, to bless you. He's looking as you walk with him to give you power and authority over all the forces of the enemy. That's why Jesus says, go and, and go and trample on this, on all, all your enemy because you're walking with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're walking with the Lord of the host of angel armies with you. God says, Take my hand, walk with me, believe me, trust me, stay with me. Don't let, don't sell out for bleeding cattle and moo- <laughs> bleeding sheep and mooing cattle. Don't, you know, what, what's that? How many, hello? So walk with the king and be a blessing. That's why Jesus says, you know, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. Walk with the Lord. And we see an example from Saul 
who was nobody, God took him and put him in a place of power and says, Saul, all you need to do is stay in relationship with me and do help do what I'm telling you to do. God gave him the power to get the victory. God gave him the power. And so God gives you the power to do what you're able to do in Christ. And so God says, walk with me. Take my hand. Don't sell out for anything. Stay with me. Walk with me. I'm the glory, the lifter of your head. You're a king. You're a son of a king. You're the daughter of a king, child of a king. And he says, don't forget that. So as God says, and as God says, if we mess up, confess it to God. Fess up to God real quick and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm guilty. I did it. I repent. Help me not to do this again. Help me to overcome. Don't blame me or your neighbor or your or whoever. Don't blame the cat or dog either, even though they can't speak. Don't blame them. It's nobody's fault but our own, right? And so we've got to take responsibility for the mistakes that we do, the, the things that we do. But God says he's quick. If we, if we confess our sins to him, he's quick to forgive us. Amen? You want to take the hand of Jesus this morning and walk with the Lord of the host of angel armies? Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning.